From the advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut, wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi-weekly-ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. All right, so the question that we're going to try to answer today on Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is, is buying a car in the showroom going to become antiquated? Will customers prefer buying cars online more than going to the showroom? I'm seeing a lot of folks on LinkedIn in our industry talk about that, talking about getting on board with the new way of doing business, selling cars online, people purchasing online being the new way forward. And I'm not really sure if that's true or not. I want to get some opinions on it, right? First, I want to know, are customers receptive to this way of doing business so far, right? I think we can all agree that in most states that dealerships are allowed to sell cars, there's a remote aspect to it. In most states right now, you can't just walk into a dealership and buy a car. You've got to start the process online, whether it's a virtual test drive or some kind of digital retailing tool to figure out if you're qualified and get a credit uh, approval and all that kind of stuff. And then you can either finish the sale via an appointment in the showroom or curbside pickup outside the showroom or uh, delivery. And a lot of people are thinking that that's the way it's going to be done going forward. But I don't know. Is that going to replace the 25 car Saturdays, you know, where you have a bunch of fresh ups and you're waiting for people to walk in the front door? Or is it going to be a small percentage of business going forward? I don't have all the answers. I'm not the smartest guy here. So I thought we'd get some some experts or at least some guys who are in the trenches, some executive managers, some general managers, a couple of key agency people, and get an idea on what they think will happen going forward when we get, uh, you know, post-COVID pandemic and how shopping and purchasing may change from both a dealer perspective and a customer perspective. All right, let me, uh, let me start with James Skarzynski. He's the general manager at Shaker Auto Group. They're here in Connecticut. Got a bunch of stores in Connecticut, Ford, Kia, Hyundai. They got a new CDJR store. James, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good, man. Thanks for coming back on. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're just, uh, you know, talking about, you know, how's this going to um, change the way people shop and buy in the future? And I'm, you know, checking out the uh, Shaker website and getting an idea what you guys have going on right now. And, you know, a lot of this depends on where you are in the country and what the rules are in your state. Now, you and I are obviously both in Connecticut, so people are allowed to buy online, uh, and then they can set up an appointment to come in and pick up the car, do the curbside thing, do the delivery thing, but showrooms are closed in general to the general public. Is that that's what you guys have going on right now? Correct. Correct. Okay. We're doing contactless remote sales. Yeah. So what's the... so? I guess first off is how are how are customers or prospects responding to this way of shopping? Are you seeing them engage with you guys in this manner? I am. I'm seeing people uh, saying when they call, hey, are you guys open? Yes, we are. We're explaining to them it's only by appointment only. We like to work the numbers up front based off either A, if they know their credit score or B, if we run uh, a soft pull on their credit so that we would know what tier a bank would offer a lease or if they qualify for the 0% for 84 months. And a lot of customers are saying, wow, that's really cool. I like that you guys are willing to do 95% of the work upfront yeah. prior to me coming there. So my time at the dealership for the curbside pickup is less than 25 minutes. Yeah. I mean, who wants to spend four hours at a car dealership, right? Right. The question is, um, 
these leads that are coming in, you know, I've been talking for a couple of podcast episodes about how it's probably easiest to do business this way with people who have bought from you before, because there's a built-in trust that they have for you, especially with a group like your group that has, that has, you know, uh, good brand equity in the market. People trust you guys have your, have your buy transparent campaign. Are you seeing these inquiries coming in from previous customers or a lot of them cold people who've never done business with you, business with you in the past? A lot of them are actually first time brand really? new, never did business with us before. We've uh, reached out to our customers in the sense of not so much, uh, hey, buy a car or hey, service your car, just to say, how are you doing? Do you need us to pick up your car for you? Do you need us to go grocery shopping for you? We're reaching out in that sense. And the people that are actually buying vehicles, believe it or not, I would say 90% of them are first time, never did business with us wow. before. And they're, they're having a great experience. The customer experience is through the roof. Our CSI is the highest it's ever been. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, what percentage of people would you say? A lot of people are bored at home, right? And I, you know, I, one day, I, one day I want a Jeep gladiator and I've priced out a Rubicon gladiator with all the, you know, the $56,000 one before now, because I'm in the industry, I'm not putting in leads because I know that's going to gum up someone's uh, process. But what percentage of people do you say, would you think are just, you know, inquiring because they're home bored and curious or don't have an immediate intent to buy? I would say uh, pre-April 4th, mm -hmm. we had, I would say, 50% of the customers were just looking, didn't know that they put in a lead. And in the last week, uh, last two weeks, really, it skyrocketed to 75%. I call customers and they say, I didn't even realize I put my information in for this reason. I'm not looking to purchase a vehicle in the next 30 days or longer. I think, um, do you think part of that too, like prior to April 4th is because you have a Jeep store, you know, and Jeep has that kind of, you know, people go online and check out, you know, what kind what options they can get on, on a Wrangler all the time. Cause that's like the, the car. Yep. Would you see a lot more of that at your Jeep store than at some of the other uh, manufacturers? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we are. Our store compared to the other stores, uh, has gotten more service traffic for customers with recalls or warranty work or just regular maintenance. Yeah. Uh, along with our lead count is probably double uh, internet wise and our phone traffic as well. Uh, our store is on track to do more uh, volume than any of the other stores as well. But to your point, people are uh, building the dream Grand Cherokee, for mm -hmm. example, and not realizing that they built a $56,000 car. Their budget is three fifty a month. And the only way to achieve that would be a limited. So a lot of people are switching more so than before. You had the old statistic of, you know, internet lead comes in 50, 60% of the customers end up buying a different car. I would say that percentage is closer to 85% wow. now because customers aren't realizing that the right car for the right budget that meets their needs is a limited, not a trailhawk. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So the big question is, will customers prefer buying cars online more than going to the showroom when this whole thing is over? What do you think? Yes, 100%. I think I don't think it's going to be as drastic as some of the blogs and some of the articles I read right. online are. I still have customers who aren't calling ahead, who aren't scheduling appointments with everything going on right now with COVID and just showing up to the dealership. Really? And uh, Pulling on the front door. They're just showing up, just knocking on the door saying, why are the doors locked? 
we're, and we really? have to explain, Jeez. we know it's not uh, the traditional way of, of doing car research, but we're not exposing ourselves. We're trying to help flatten the curve. And if you don't have an immediate need to uh, replace a vehicle and you're in no rush, we prefer you to stay home, stay safe. Please don't come to the dealership and you're not going to jump in and out of two or three different vehicles. Right. Our ratio right now is 87% of the customers that show up to our dealership drive one car and they buy the one car that they sat in, they touched, and we're keeping plastic in the car on purpose until a customer says, that's my car, I'm taking the plastic out because I'm buying it. Interesting. Good statistics. And not exactly what I would have guessed. I think that's great. I think we've been tracking it because I'm a numbers guy. I like analytics and uh, we have a great marketing team. Lindsay has been tracking the leads. Uh, We have also seen a lot of duplicate leads. People not realizing uh, that they sent in a Jeep.com lead on a Grand Cherokee. They sent in a digital retailing where they worked up their own numbers on our website and they sent in that lead. And then they also did a true car lead. So they sent in three leads on one vehicle. Man, that Lindsay is an SEO machine. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. She kills it. (laughs) She loves it. Well, James, listen, I appreciate your time and your insight and the opinion. And uh, thanks for taking a few minutes. I really appreciate it. All right, James Skarzenski, general manager at Shaker Auto Group. Thanks for the insight there. All right, let's go next to Dave Stalvey. He's the business manager at Nissan City, Portchester, Portchester, New York. Hey, Dave. How's it going, Matt? It's good, man. Listen, let me get your thoughts on a few things. You got a minute? Certainly, certainly. Are customers receptive to doing business online like we're required to do right now? Uh, I would say that's a two-part question. I would say the first part is that the world's kind of been turned on its head lately, right? So I think customers are adjusting on the fly just as much as we are to doing business online and how we're doing business online. And I would say that those people that are in need of cars that are ready uh, to pull the trigger are definitely – willing to adjust to the new process and are being very open to it. The word you said there, and I think James Skarzenski used the same word, is need. If you need a car right now, you've got to purchase. That's my oven. Do you hear that? My oven is preheated. I got to go heat up my wings. Let's pause this podcast. <laughs> uh, just kidding. We could finish first. Um, need is the word there. If you need a car right now, you have to purchase it the way, any way that you can, the way that you're able to. But if you don't, do you think customers are going to go out of their way to do it this way? Or are they going to wait until things are, you know, air quotes back to normal? Well, I would think this part of this, I believe, is the new normal, mm-hmm. um, to be honest with you. I think that what we're going to see is we've always had online shoppers. And in the past decade, most dealerships have moved toward really catering uh, to online shoppers because we know that they spend a lot more hours online than they do in our showrooms nowadays. I think the difference is we're going to move from online shoppers to online buyers. Um, And that's a big difference. And running your business and understanding that some people will be an online shopper and still want to have the physical experience of walking into the dealership after the fact to finish a transaction and that some people really will want to go with more of a, let's say an Amazon type uh, delivery process where it's clicking, buying, put it in my cart and have it delivered to my house. Yeah. You know, you know go ahead. There, there's actually a really good book that was kind of written about this a few years ago called the convenience revolution by Shep Hyken. Okay. Um, and it's specific to sales of all kinds. And he references how some businesses have gone obsolete because they didn't adjust to being convenient for their customers. So I think 
some of it's demographic. I think if you live in an area that is not conducive to home deliveries or remote deliveries, it, it might not be as popular. But in a high uh, metro areas such as Fairfield County or New York, uh, people are used to things being convenient. And there will definitely be a segment of people that will not want to go back to the traditional purchasing concepts um, after we come out of this. So do you think gone are the days of, you know, a bunch of fresh ups on a Saturday? Like what, like what percentage of, I mean, you don't have to give me a number, but you know, cause there's, there's a couple, hold on, let me reset. There's a couple of different facets of digital retailing, right? You can go and do the shopping online and then come in and start over, or you can do the shopping online and that information transfers to the dealership. And when you get there, you pick it up where you left off, or there's the shop online, buy the whole thing online. All right, I'll be there. Give me the keys. Do you think people, what percentage of our business is going to be that type of business on a Saturday in, you know, November? Um, yeah, I think it depends. And here's, and here's what I'll say with a caveat to that is that as technology increases in vehicles and as it changes rapidly, just like our cell phones and just like how we've adjusted to doing Zoom conferences for business over the past few months, um, people are going to want to touch it. They're going to want to taste it. They're going to want to understand how it works. How does this wireless Wi-Fi station in my new car operate? Before I commit to purchasing everything online and show up there with my cashier's check, I kind of want to look at it first. So do I believe that the days of Saturday ups lining up to, to test drive six cars are, are still going to be uh, the norm? Not necessarily. And, and quite honestly, it hasn't been the norm for quite a while. Uh, most people in the Northeast, at least specifically in my brand, are leasing their vehicles anyway, so they're familiar with our lineup. They're familiar with what they're driving, um, but sometimes they, they want to make a change, and when they do, they want to see a specific model that they've already researched online, but they're definitely curious about the technology and how, going back to the convenience factor, how that technology can make their life more convenient. Yeah, for sure. I mean, no one's walking in and saying, hey, what kind of SUVs do you have? Can I test drive a few? Like, everyone's done their research about you know, what's in the lineup and they have a general idea of where they're going to be size wise and price wise. They're not showing up being like, what do you have? What do you have? That's all wheel drive. And those days are obviously way behind us, but they are, they are behind us, but you also have a certain, uh, believe it or not, there is still a certain segment of people that are not that internet savvy that just say, look, I need a car. Let me go to the dealership. Uh, I want a four wheel drive. I'll take it. Now that's a very limited percentage of our overall business, probably less than 10%, but that those folks still exist. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I think what we're definitely going to take from this is I think we're going to definitely have sales professionals and we're going to weed out uh, order takers in the car business because I think the consumer demand for someone who has knowledge you, you can't fake it in an email you can't email a customer uh, fluff so you have right. to be very concise you have to be very knowledgeable you have to understand your product the process you have to understand your business and you have to relay that. Um, professionally in an email or a phone call or a text. And then you have to be able to transition that to when they come in the showroom that when they want to see the product and you can use an iPad to go through all of the features and benefits, you need to be able to understand how that works and apply it. And people that don't change with that will probably not yeah. be selling cars very much longer. Don't forget being able to spell correctly is important. It, it varies. And you know what? The computers make it very convenient for you to spell correctly. The computers. Yes. All right, Dave, I appreciate your time, man.
Hey, man, be well. Hope your wings taste good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Dave Stalvey, business manager, Nissan City in Portchester, New York. All right, next, let's go to Calvin Brown, general manager at Ferrari Maserati of Long Island. How's it going, man? Excellent. How you doing today, Matt? Good, good. All right, let's talk about it. So are people adopting... Well, I guess it's I guess it's different for you because because of your because of the luxury brand, people are used to white glove service, right? But do you Absolutely. think do you think going forward after the pandemic is this going to forever change the car buying experience? I think it will change it to an extent because more dealers are now going to be invested in a slightly different approach to selling cars. Um, I think you'll find it more in the upstate New York, New York metro area, New Jersey, Connecticut, the places that have been most affected by this outbreak Mm. because our showrooms are closed to the public. We really have no other way to retail a car unless we're really getting behind um, more of a, you know, concierge website based transaction. Yeah, that's a good point. Some of it could be regional based on the fact that, you know, I'm in the Northeast, right? You're, I'm in Connecticut. You're in Long Island. Obviously, this part of the country is been hit a little bit harder or sort of the center for the pandemic. And therefore, the recovery will be slower and people will probably be more hesitant to introduce themselves into a crowded showroom or a movie theater or that kind of thing. And then maybe they would be in the Midwest or somewhere where it's not as you know, it's not as uh, common as it is here. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people on LinkedIn talked about talking about like, you know, this is going to change the busy Saturdays and you may not experience as much of that at your, with your brand anyway. Um, But, you know, I just wonder, you make a good point. You said, you know, there are some dealers, right. That weren't doing any kind of like digital retailing or online shopping. Some were doing it a little bit of the way and some were doing it all of the way. This is going to force everybody to at least do it a little bit of the way, right? Absolutely. I think I was talking to somebody else about this just the other day. Most dealers think that they are in the, um, the online retailing business as soon as they put like a buy it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're not, and you're not, you know, because it's, it really is, uh, it really is an experience that must be understood by reception, um, sales support, sales staff, service members, basically anybody, anybody could run into in a dealership. They have to follow the same process. So what we do that's sort of unique, I think to most Maserati dealers, most Ferrari dealers on the pre-owned side, everybody takes a used car in any dealership and they, plug the car into a V auto or a V auto like tool and gets a price point that is, you know, going to generate them activity based on what other cars are posted up for sale. Mm-hmm. Most new car dealers do not do that with their new inventory. They'll at most put a lease special up on the website and they're going to leave every car up at MSRP. I think we are kidding ourselves if we put a buy it now button up on a car and that someone's just going to be comfortable pay an MSRP for a vehicle just because we put it up on our website. Yeah. I think you have to be way more transparent than that. And on top of that, when you do get a guest that's engaging you, well, then you walk them back over to the website and say, Hey, look, you know what? This is my car. It's $80,000 MSRP. 
we are comfortable transacting at around 73 as we post the car up for sale here for. Here's the lease option on it. I think you're going to get more consumer confidence that way than if you just had a car and you could build your own deal um, on, on a website. Because that's Roadster. Yeah. That's a lot of plugins. You can mess around. You can build a deal. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not really, really that transparent when it comes down to it. You know, the other part of it too is if you do all that online and then you go to the showroom, you got to do it all again. Like that defeats yeah. the whole purpose. Like the reason to do it for me is to minimize the amount of time that I have to spend at the dealership on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday. The, the process needs to be integrated into the process in the showroom and in the, and in the business office too. Absolutely. Like I said, at reception, she's got to know, yeah. or he's got to know whoever's sitting up there that, this person, oh, it's Mr. Jones, and Mr. Jones actually is here to see Kevin King. And Mr. Jones, I see that you had already gone through step whatever on yeah. our website, and you were coming in here to see Kevin. That way, he knows that when he walked in, he doesn't got to start from zero. Um, right. Classically, you know, as as salespeople, we mess that up because you know we'll discount what our BDC already did. Or, oh, no, they got you on the wrong car. You got to look at this car. Mm -hmm. Most folks really know what they want to buy before they set foot in the store, especially today. When I started yeah. doing this um, way back when, I think customers were more apt to be, um, you know, switched to a different vehicle. I remember I went to sales trainings, um, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, where they told me 80% of people were going to buy something other than they really in originally intended to buy. I think that's kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, I know maybe some people might take a different color or maybe a different model. They didn't know they liked, right. but I think the thing that 80% of folks coming into your dealership are going to buy something else is, you know, asking for. Yeah. It's pretty high. Yeah. Calvin Brown, general manager, Ferrari Maserati of long Island. Always enjoy his insight. All right. Let's, where do we go next? Who do we go to next? Let's go to Jimmy calling from Florida. Jimmy, welcome to the program. Just kidding. A little radio humor. All right. Uh, seriously, next. Oh, next. We have to take a break. We'll be right back after these words. It's a little more radio humor. The Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson Friday Morning Live podcast brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to, uh, to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. If it's free, it's for me, right? The creation tools uh, they have that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You don't need fancy editing software. You can just sign up for Anchor and do it right from your phone or your computer. And then to distribute your podcast for you, which is the hardest part, right? You want to get it on Spotify and Apple and Google and Stitcher and Frackle. And I don't even know if that's a thing, but you want to get it in all those places that could be time consuming. Anchor will do that for you. You can even make money on your pod podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm to get started. All right. All right. Let's go to back here to Connecticut, right? Where I am. Let's go to Baba Body. He is the president and creative director. At Baba Body Marketing. Hey, Bob, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. 
Hey, Matt, thanks for the opportunity to be here. Hey, man, look, I mean, we're seeing it. Uh, you know, I'm seeing it with my dealers at my agency, and you're seeing it with your dealers, and we're looking on uh, on LinkedIn and following along what's going on. And obviously, the only way forward right now during this time to do business is different than dealers are used to. But the question is, is what's it going to look like when we get through this a couple months down the road when things are, you know, not back to normal, but when everyone's not locked in their house anymore? Do you think we're going to see a continuation of the way people are shopping and buying now? Or is there going to be some kind of like hybrid between the way it used to be and the way people are shopping, you know, today? You know, that's a great question. A certain number of people will want to go in and kick tires and shake hands and high five and test drive and things like that. But we've reinvented ourselves and we're doing things a different way now. And I think it's become ingrained. And I don't think we're going to unlearn those habits. Kudos to the dealers who haven't stuck their heads in the sand and gone away. If you have something that you've done that is working, keep carrying that forward. I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot more business being done on the lot instead of in a showroom in a cube next to, you know, a dozen other sellers. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a big sensitivity to, to that going forward. And anything from touching a steering wheel that someone else touched to, uh, you know, I, I, see, I see dealers, I forgot the name of the product now, it's Pure Care or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're sanitizing the interiors of the cars. And I, this, is, this is brilliant. They're dealing with hurdles, with, with, with hurdles that people have to get over before they'll consider touching a car. Um, so I think we're going to see that too. Yeah, I was talking to a dealer who uh, was telling me that he believes that people are going to be more cognizant of like, all right, well, do I want to get in eight cars or do I want to like, no, okay, these are definitely the two I'm looking at. And because you're really minimizing your risk or exposure to germs in general. And I know we're not really talking about, you know, specifically COVID and, but you know, I mean, three months from now, people are still going to be concerned with who they're interacting with and what they're doing. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, but I agree with you. There's a certain amount, like me personally, I, I mean, you and I are bad examples, right? Because we deal with dealers and I was a dealer and you're practically a dealer having had, having worked with so many dealers. So we're not great examples, but me personally, if I'm going to spend $50,000 on a new vehicle, I'd like to go to the store and talk to the guy about it and take it out for a drive. And I'm all for buying stuff online. I got boxes coming to my house every day, Bob. I'm sure you do too, but I don't think that's going to replace forever all the time, a hundred percent of the time the in-showroom purchase. You're absolutely right. It's not going to replace it 100% of the time. But think about this, Matt. If it replaces it 20% of the time or a third of the time, that's a seismic shift in the way people are going to buy cars. I think we're going to see this. You know, if you're a dealer now and you aren't adapting your website to this new reality, then shame on you. Yeah. We're, we're We're working with clients now to change their websites. And there's a number of things going on. They click the first box to schedule a private one-on-one in-store or online consultation. They click the second box to do a Zoom call with a sales consultant. And that can be a walk around the car or just a conversation about the, a trade-in value or something. They click the third box to get a trade-in value. Uh, it could be a KBB thing or something. Uh, they click another box to do instant texting uh, with someone at the dealership. and. These are things that 
I think a lot of dealers were forced into because of COVID-19. But these are things that are working and they've got to keep these things in place going forward. And it's my feeling that, you know, we're dragging the public into this way of buying a car. And it's not their fault. It's our fault that we haven't done it sooner because we've been doing it. I mean, everybody going to Amazon is second nature now. So why wouldn't you go online and click and test drive and finance and pay and then figure out how you want to take delivery? Absolutely, Bob. 100% agree with you. And I, you know, I think too with dealers, you know, there was everyone was on this certain spectrum. There was either there was the dealers who were against digital retailing or any kind of purchase uh, starting online. And those guys have moved up to the like, all right, well, I get it. I guess I got to do some of that online. And then there was the dealers who are in who were into digital retailing, so to speak, but weren't really taking it all the way to the end to the transaction and, you know, the purchase and delivery of the vehicle. And those guys have stepped it up a notch. And then you have a lot of the Highline brands, like the Ferrari, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, Mercedes guys, who are already doing that and are like, oh, this is great. We've been doing this for years. So everyone's kind of moving up a notch, I feel like. Whether they want to or not, they have to. I mean, they're, they're, they're in the fire now. They better figure out how to, uh, how to survive and how to withstand the heat. Baba Body, President Creative Director at Baba Body Marketing. I appreciate your time, Bob. Thanks, man. Matt, I appreciate the opportunity and stay safe. All right, how about a couple more? Let's do a couple more. Let's go to Todd Long. He's the executive manager at Dave Wright Auto Group. They are uh, in Iowa. Bunch of brands, Nissan, Honda, Subaru, CDJR, Buick, GMC. Do I got that right, Todd? Yeah, we got a little bit of everything that out here. We're in North of Des Moines out in the field of dreams. Awesome. I love it. Hey, isn't there supposed to be a baseball game out there this year? Yeah, we, uh, we're looking forward to that one. It's going to be a big one, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen either. No, I would say probably not. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about some business. We can talk about baseball another time. So it sounds like in Iowa, right, at your stores, are you able to do sales currently by appointment only? Uh, no, Matt, we're actually open for business, both in sales and service. So we're taking customers as they come in. We're setting appointments. Obviously, uh, we're offering pickup and drop-off service, as well as a customer concierge program where they bring a vehicle to their home or their office. But to be brutally honest with you, we've been doing that for a couple of years out here. Well, that's fantastic, right? That you're that you're able to be open at this point. What's how are customers shopping? Are they are they doing as much work as possible online before coming in, or are they still coming in as if as if we're still uh, you know nothing has happened? You know, that's a great question, Matt. We are seeing an uptick trend in our internet traffic as far as our web leads and conversions are concerned. But I've been very, very happy with our community and our associates uh, working well with each other via social media that our traffic as far as our walk-in uh, on the sales side have been amazing. And quite honestly, we are quite different than everybody else where it's our service department that is lagging the market right now. Really? Which is interesting because you would figure this time of year, people getting their cars ready for spring. It's a busy service month. Fixed stops is a necessity, right? Having your car run well. I think most dealers are probably seeing that flipped, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. And I've talked to quite a few people, you know, obviously over the phone, LinkedIn, social media, that sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. for the life of me, it's one of the craziest things I've seen. We, uh, I talked to Mr. Wright about our, 
you know, forecasting in our business, and I anticipated a 20 to 30 percent decline this month, and we're actually on pace to hit our forecast that we did last November. I'm quite surprised, and I'm happy for you, but yeah. I'm. Uh, it's very interesting. What is the reason? I am as well, and, and hey, Matt, if I can if I can figure out exactly what was working for us, we'd all be retired, right? But at the end <laughs> of the day, it still comes down to the phone calls, the texts, the videos we do with your customers, and just letting them know that we're here for their, you know, their needs. We're here to help. We want them to have trust in us, and we're really promoting safety, healthy, reliable. Uh, you know, and our our whole message is we're just here to help. So whatever we can do for the customers, both in service and in sales, we're going to do whatever it takes right now to get ourselves to be above the top of everybody else. Wow. Well, that's great. Do you see anything changing with the way people shop or buy going forward after we get through the pandemic or at least things calm down a little bit? Uh, you know, I do. And as dealers, as I mentioned, spending some time looking online, and I'll probably get in trouble with everybody right now for saying this, but we've been so far behind the digital age and era of selling cars. I remember being in Kansas City in 2014 when Dealer.com first came out with Make My Deal, and everybody thought it was the craziest thing ever mentioned, and I jumped on it right away, Matt. i got to tell you that with the advent of the Carvanas and the other people out there that are trying to cannibalize ourselves and steal our business, you know, I'm a firm believer in Brian Benstock at Paragon Honda and kind of his message, and that is one of, we should have the facilitation and ease of doing business just as Amazon or, you know, my fiance, Jennifer, God love her, I can't wait to marry her. But that girl can shop online faster than I can run in my car when it's snowing outside. Uh-huh. And we just don't have that experience of dealing. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. I would love to chat with you at one point uh, about maybe we'll do another podcast. We'll have you on a bit longer, talk about a, a bunch of different topics in the industry. But I appreciate your insight on this uh, right off the bat. It sounds like you guys are doing well. And hopefully it looks like it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, I sure hope so, Matt. I can't say enough about the team and their positivity. Colin Powell said perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. That's the way we treat our culture. You're awesome for having me, Matt. I'll be back anytime. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. Have a good one. You too. All right, Todd Long, Executive Manager, Dave Wright Automotive Group in Iowa. I did not see that coming. Is there even a pandemic in Iowa? I mean, it sounds like people are shopping, business as usual. I guess it just goes to show you how much is regional too. You know, they've been all the governors have been banding together in the Northeast. I'm in the Northeast in Connecticut, and I have a lot of coworkers in the South, and then uh, in the in the West Coast as well. Uh, in areas that are hard hit, California, Washington, Connecticut, New York, Louisiana, and it sounds like it's a whole different ball game in Iowa. Good for them. Business is good. I mean, they're doing the same business as they were doing in November. That's crazy. Todd is ahead of the game, though, right? Adapted to digital retailing um, pretty early. All right, let's get one more, or a couple more, or at least one more. Joining me now on Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is the general manager of Gun Nissan of Denton. Marty Vass is on with me. Hey, Marty, thanks for joining me. Hey, good to be here, Matt. Hey, Marty, I kind of want to start by playing this video from your website about gun at home purchase and delivery. Do you mind if I borrow the audio and play it? 
Absolutely. This is a video you guys put together about uh, how you are currently handling customers at your store. Some things can't wait, like having reliable transportation. That's why Gun Nissan of Denton offers Gun at Home. Get it done at Gun and complete your entire new or pre-owned purchase without ever stepping foot inside our dealership. Just choose your vehicle online. We'll call to make sure you get our best deal. Then take a virtual test drive or we'll bring the vehicle to you. We'll appraise your trade, take care of financing, answer all your questions, and deliver your vehicle get it done at gun gun at home all right so clearly you have the message in place you have the process in place the question is are customers responding to it and are they shopping the way that you want them to shop right now yes they are and uh, they love it the people who have gone through the process are leaving us phenomenal reviews i've had a lot of customers actually call into the dealership after they've purchased a vehicle to tell us how much they like the experience. Oh, really? Yeah. So do you think that going forward, when things get back to, you know, like air quotes, normal, is this going to replace the in showroom uh, visit and purchase? Is there going to be kind of a hybrid? Is this what percentage of the business is this going to be? What do you, how do you think it affects going forward? Dealerships that have, um, Sold vehicles online mm-hmm. will probably have much higher percentage of digital retailing. Uh, in the past, five to six percent of the business was only done online, and uh, statistics and uh, forecasts were showing that about uh, in the next three to five years, we're looking at probably 25 percent of the business being done online. Yeah, I believe that that number will be much higher now and it will be sooner. Uh, There's still a lot of dealerships that are doing business as usual, and they're not experienced the same we are, and uh, they will be left behind a curve. That's my opinion. A lot of people, a lot of customers that are shopping online would not buy a car any way else. Uh, From our customers that have been doing business with us in the last month, month and a half, since we've been doing uh, only digital retailing, I don't think anyone will ever buy a car uh, the normal way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, once you go through it and you realize how simple it is, you're kind of like, well, why would I do it? Why would I put myself through spending four hours in a store on a Saturday when I can do all this online, show up, I'm there for 20 minutes and and it's over. How important is the process? So a person fills out all the paperwork online and with some digital retailing tools or some stores that maybe don't have it connected through their systems, you know, you're coming in, you got to do the credit app again, you got to do all that stuff again, which defeats the entire purpose. How important is it to make sure that the process that starts online finishes seamlessly in the store? It's, it is very important. Uh, we can do probably 90% of the work up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few signatures that are left at the end. Uh, and we can do that either at customer's residence or here in the store. Uh, we can use iPads for uh, digital signatures through door track. And uh, the, the process is very simplified. Uh, we deliver a vehicle here within 10 to 15 minutes after they arrive. Uh, all the numbers are disclosed up front. Uh, normally we'll send them full disclosures, even um, they will talk to a finance manager if they would like to um, add any uh, service contracts. It's very transparent. Mm -hmm. 
there's uh, nothing to hide and people trust it a lot more than the normal process. What do you think, what is it about digital retailing that has had some dealers in the past hesitant to start doing it? Is it the transparency? Go ahead. I said, is it the transparency? The transparency, yes, a lot. And um, from what I'm hearing is, dealers believe that they will be losing profit, which to a degree it is. Mm -hmm. You can still make a fair profit. And um, people are willing to pay for convenience after all. We had a small learning curve, yes. Uh, In the beginning, everything was a, a giveaway. But little by little, our sales professionals are uh, in finance is, of course, learning how to uh, not give the house away, if I should say that. Do you think that dealers, well, first of all, I guess changing the subject real quick, slightly, what's the split been like between new shoppers and used shoppers through digital retailing? Right now, we've been this month 50-50. Do you think that as, uh, you know, the country or the states, you know, quote unquote, reopen that you're going to see the used number, the used car sales increase based on the fact that most dealers have been kind of sitting on these cars for a while. No one's buying new cars. These cars are aging and not being looked at. Is there going to be a, a rush on used? It's, it's early to speculate. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the factories are... Uh, pushing big incentives. Right. Uh, also, they've cut down production. So with some manufacturers, we can actually see uh, shortage of inventory. Right. It's very possible. It's, it's purely to say it all depends on how long the shutdown will go for. Um, if we open in the next two to three weeks, we may not see a long-term effects. Uh, I know for Nissan shut down their factories for at least two months. That's the plan for now. Even after they reopen, they won't work. They they won't be working at 100%. So that may create shortage of inventory. Um, on new on new side as well on the pre-owned side, because when you don't have the vehicles, uh, the new car sells out there. You won't have the used cars. The rental companies are not buying as many cars. They're trying to dump their vehicles right now. Right. That creates that uh, surplus at the auction and no one's buying. But in the next few months, once dealerships start opening and rental companies are out of cars, if there's not enough new cars, uh, there won't be enough used cars as well. It will be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure. We've never seen it. We've never seen this before. And it'll be interesting to see yeah. how it happens. Uh, before I let you go, real quick, just from a marketing standpoint, obviously what you're doing is great. It's all well and good, but a lot of dealers, the first inclination at trouble uh, is to cancel their advertising um, mm-hmm. to save some money. But if you're putting the effort and the resources and the infrastructure into this type of uh, selling uh, and online sales when the showroom is closed, how important is it to get your message out there? And what kind of marketing have you maintained to make sure that people are people know that what you're doing? Well, it's we've also limited a lot of a, a lot of marketing. Yep. 
and um, social media. People are on their phones right now mm -hmm. a lot. So social media uh, promoting the process, uh, making like showing how easy it is, uh, promoting your customer reviews and uh, your best incentives. A lot of the factors are offering uh, three months, six months with no payments. I mean, people yeah. can use some help. And when you're genuine and you're really trying to help people, they understand. We have a customer who purchased a vehicle in the beginning of the month. They bought a Titan. Uh, a week later, they bought a Titan for the, the for the wife. Wow. And now they'll be buying a third vehicle for the son. They called me three days after they bought the car to tell me how good their experience was. A week later, they bought a second car. Now we're working a third vehicle for them. So with time, people will change the way they're yeah. shopping. All right. Well, good stuff. I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. Hey, you too. All right. That, uh, you Bye -bye. too. That's Marty Vass. He's the general manager at Gun Nissan of Denton. Thank you for joining me, Marty. And last but not least... The marketing director of West Her Automotive Group, Matthew Lasher, is on the phone. You guys have stores all over upstate New York, right? Rochester, Buffalo, like in that part of the state? Yeah, almost all of our stores are in Buffalo, New York. So we have 20 locations there, and we have four stores in Rochester, 60 miles away. So I'm on your, uh, you know, the West Her site, and I really like the way that you guys have it kind of laid out on the homepage. On the left, Here's your sales update. On the right, here's your service update. It lays out really clearly in bold type. Here's what you can do. Here's what we can do for you. Uh, it makes it really clear, which I think is important for customers because there's so much kind of confusion out there and it differs between what state you're in and what dealer group or, uh, you know, you're dealing with. So you guys have online sales available uh, with in-store delivery by appointment only, and then service is open. The question is, how are customers responding to this message and this way of shopping and buying right now? Are they into it or are they hesitant? So I'll say there's a ton of pent up demand in our marketplace right now, right? So we've been severely impacted over the last 30 days um, by you know the New York state shutdowns and all of those things. So there's a lot of customers that were just frozen, hanging tight. Um, especially our lease return customers, um, not sure what to do. So, you know, I think where we started in all this communication was let's reach out to our customers that have leases coming due. So they have, have to do something right. and at least explain to them what was op uh, available. So there was a lot of lease extensions or, you know, um, different things that the OEMs or the captives did to allow for leases to be continued on for a bit. So that eased a lot of like insecurity of, oh my God, what do I do? Right. Um, but, but the next thing, I think to your point, we try to be simple about what's open, what, what can you do? Right. So we can't have you walk into the showroom right now. So we've had to lock our showroom doors. We have signage up saying the showrooms are closed, but we also want to make sure we communicate that we can sell you a car. Right. So, so we are framing it online or remote sales um, while we don't have a digital retailing tool per se. Right. Cause I know there's a lot of buzz in the industry about oh, that yeah. particular functionality being required. You know, we're still selling 50 cars a day in this online or remote environment. And what that is, is just a, a hand raiser, somebody reaching out to us via chat or text or a form fill, fill or, you know, just a regular phone call. And, uh, and we're working a deal like a human being. Yeah. So, 
so I think that's that's the thing that, um, you know, I worry about some of the propaganda in our industry about how it's just required to have these tools. Um, you know, for a group like ours and a per, per rooftop model, these tools can really add up. You could spend 15, oh. 20 grand a month just in tool expense for digital retailing, which, um, you know, is an interesting problem. So so we wanted to start simply what's available. Service was open. Sales was open remotely. Um, starting Monday, we are adding an offering um, modeled after CarMax. So I won't give ourselves full credit, but we're calling it Western Curbside. So CarMax introduced last week a curbside initiative. So mm -hmm. we created um, signs that we will have in preferred parking spots out front of the dealership. So anybody that's afraid to come into the store by appointment can take delivery from their trade basically or their brand new car and do the paperwork entirely outside of the dealership. Uh, but it still allows them to come to the dealership for practical reasons is useful because of trade-ins and that sort of thing. Um, um, as well as some of the liability related to signing contracts. Um, right. So, you know, we're excited about that. So we, sh we shot a new, you know, couple commercials and social media spots and things related to that offering. Um, so we'll be kicking that off Monday. Um, and, but, but I'll tell you this, like the showroom experience, the set appointment for delivery experience. Um, I watched a few deliveries Friday and, I t because the showroom's slow, you're the only person in the showroom. Right. We have these sanitized areas, eight foot tables, the manager sitting at one end of the table, the customer sitting on the other end. And it's about as calm of an experience as you could imagine. So in that way, for like an introvert like me, I think it's a better experience because yeah. there's not all this peripheral distraction. There's not 50 salespeople running around. <laughs> there's right. not, you know, things being paid. Loud across music the playing. Yeah. Right. Like it's like a war zone when you've got a busy Saturday. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. War zone, something there's like yeah. crazy, you know, a lot of stimulus going on and it can be exhausting. So I think this, this tempo quieter environment is actually pretty pleasing for a lot of people. Um, and, and everybody that's taken delivery has been very impressed and receptive to this, this, this way of doing it. So, so I think it's going to be something that we're going to have to continue thinking about, um, whether it's separate delivery modules, which we have in a lot of the stores, maybe lay, leverage those a little differently. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's going to be ways that we can evolve out of this, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what we've been trying to do. I like the curbside, uh, idea you were talking about. Um, Home Depot, I mean, retailers are doing similar things. Home Depot has the same thing. I bought a wheelbarrow online and they couldn't, for whatever reason, they couldn't deliver it. And you go to the store and you pull up and they have like, you know, they don't have the signage quite figured out yet, but they've got like those, you know, those orange like construction barrels that you see on the highway. They have a bunch yeah. of those with like signs duct taped on that says, you know, curbside pickup and you pull up and you call a number in the store and you tell them you're outside and then they come out with your, whatever you bought. And, you know, for me, I wasn't necessarily afraid to go in the store. It's the amount of people that are, I mean, I am afraid to go in the store, but it's not about what I'm touching. It's the amount of people that are in there on Home right. Depot on Saturday. It was like a regular Saturday up in Connecticut. Um, and I'm receptive to buying that way. Sure. I mean, I was able to research however much you really research a wheelbarrow. It's not like, okay, yeah. How much does it hold? What color is it? Done. Yeah. Are the wheels inflated? Perfect. I'll take it. Um, but I think if customers are receptive to that and it works, then, you know, it's worth for a group or a single point store to have the infrastructure in place to make it happen. The question that I've been asking a lot of people is, do you find that the customers that are most receptive so far, and you started by saying this, repeat customers are people who are new to you. If they already have a relationship with you and already trust you to a certain extent, maybe it's easier to push them into buying that way. But if they don't know you, I wonder if there's more of a challenge there. 
Well, I, I will say we're incredibly spoiled and privileged with the amount of brand trust and loyalty that we have in Western New York. So mm-hmm. the 70 years we've been in business, doing things the right way. When we screw up, we say we're sorry. We try to make people better than even when we make a mistake. So that repeated behavior over time has really served us well. And we're leaning into our brand reputation now right? Um, almost exclusively. We're not, yeah. we don't have a lot of slick why buy messages. We don't have a lot of, um, you know, super compelling differences other than we have really low turnover. We have people that have books of business that people know and love and trust and, you know, respect. You know, I got a salesperson at our Ford Hamburg store. He's been selling cars for 50 years wow. and he's sold three generations of family now. And they're just keep going back to them. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go see Ron at the force. So, you know, yeah. like, so our people is where our strength is and, and that's our sustainable difference. Um, and so we have these relationships built in, we have these follow-up mechanisms. So we provide our salespeople tools like auto alert or lifecycle marketing tools um, to at least call the people that are of appropriate um, timing to call. And so that's been a good initiative for us. Um, but, but, I wouldn't say we're doing, you know, a ton of like farming new customers. That's right. never really been a huge focus of our business anyways. I don't mm-hmm. get super excited about Conquest. I find it to be the most expensive or inefficient form of marketing that there could be. So um, so we just lean into like the fact that we have all these repeat and referral customers. So to give you some sense of our scale, we had 18,000 lease customers come due um, in, in 2020, right? So we have 30% of our business is already baked into the fact that they have to come back. Right, yeah. Return car. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, on the used car side, though, we are trying to continue to grow used car volume and the loyalty isn't quite the same. Um, it's certainly a different re- level of follow up required, a different art in terms of managing that. Um, so that's something that's a work in progress. You know, too, just talking about, you know, having brand loyalty, I think a lot of dealers who are sort of, you know, a lot of dealers, first thing, I got a crisis, I got to save money, they cut their advertising, right? But a lot of dealers that have that built up brand equity year after year, they've been in business for a long time, they've been consistent in advertising for a long time, they've nurtured their customers, and like you mentioned, generation to generation for a long time, are seeing, I don't want to say easier, but are seeing a sort of easier path. You know, so you built up all this equity and now people people know you, right? You can take a little right. while to maybe do it the hard way or dial back your advertising spend or, you know, uh, you know, people who need, you know, the word need to get out of their lease or are in need of a new car will find you because they're familiar with who you are because you guys have been around and, and, and in the market. Um, you know, I want to mention, what about from an OEM standpoint? Are you seeing any difference between the way people shop or are receptive to it from like, let's say a, you know, Nissan Chevrolet type brand or compared to like a Highline, like uh, I know you have a Mercedes store um, and Cadillac maybe, you know, are, are those are the customers of the Highline stores treating it differently or are they already in that sort of like we're used to the white glove treatment anyway? Well, let me, so I'll address the OEM question in a second, um, but let me just touch on the advertising part because mm-hmm. you mentioned people cutting their advertising spend or not cutting that spend. You know, traditional schools of thought, definitely when people stop advertising, the good time to advertise more is then, yeah. right? You yeah. have more impression share, more share of voice, all of those things. Um, I was recently um, participating on the Automotive State of the Union thing that Paul, Paul Daly put on mm-hmm. and a uh, live event on LinkedIn. And we talked about this and he asked me, um, did we, what did we do in the advertising? And, and I said, we canceled all of our advertising. So that was middle of March. And we did, we turned everything off vendors, mm-hmm. digital, so, social TV, radio. Trust print, me, I work everything. in an agency. I know. <laughs> so, so we turned it all off. Yeah. Um, but, but 
the subtle reason to why we did it was we had 700, our entire variable team was furloughed. Yeah. So we right. didn't do it necessarily to save money. We didn't do it because, you know, we thought it, um, it was not a bad time. It was a bad time to advertise. We did it because we thought it was the wrong signal to send to our team and the community at large when we just laid off 700 people. Yeah. So that was the real reason that drove our advertising cancellations. It wasn't, you know, the monetary thing. So I just wanted to address that. I, I've heard um, that from a couple of dealers who have said that we don't think it's the right message to, to our people to say, sorry, everyone's got to stay home and we can't pay you. Uh, but we're going to continue to spend $30,000 a month on our advertising. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and we had all these pre pre-made things with lease lease offers and right. other things yeah. that were so like Tone non-timely down. at that point that it was like just scrap all that stuff. Let's rep- let's let's move around. Yeah. And we have shots new branding stuff that's more like in line with the we're here to help, you right. know, messages that every marketer in the country is saying, you know, right now. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we're so we're doing that. But so I, on the OEM front, um, I'll I'll say this, I mean obviously an OEM to dealer relationship is really about wholesaling cars. Um, the OEMs right. don't care while they maybe say they do, they don't really care about this final transaction of the customer buying the car. Um, so there have been variations of degree to what OEMs have been doing or understanding or being considerate of. Um, some have taken, um, you know, a little more maybe of a, an aggressive stance uh, with respect to franchise uh, agreements and things of that of that nature that we have certain obligations that we need to abide by. Um, but most, I'll say almost almost all the OEMs that we participate with have been really understanding of like, hey, we're not wholesaling cars this month. Like, yeah. sorry, we're not buying any. Um, we haven't been able to sell. So there's been a lot of that. And the OEMs are anticipating, I think, once the business moves back to a normal cycle, you know, more pent up demand. I think they'll be very aggressive with the offers. Um, and so at that point, I think wholesale will catch up, mm-hmm. um, at least to some degree, you know, but it could be a couple months away. Um, um, I think the way we're looking at sales forecasting right now, it looks maybe um, April's going to be maybe 25% of our normal volume, something of that effect. Uh, May, I hope to be 40 or 50% of our year over year volume. June, maybe 75, 80%. July, 90%, something like that, right? Yeah. Like, So I think that's the stair-stepped approach is what, how we're looking at it. Um, so, but, but overall the OEMs have been very understanding outside of a few tone deaf, um, you know, reps or emails of just like, yeah. you know, punch cars or, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, right. <laughs> they sort of forget like the opera. It's not like, it's not trivial to run these 2000 people operations and get everybody in step and doing things. Yeah. Um, and then unwind it and pause and stop. And then now we got to bring people back and like get people motivated again. And like, you know, all of those things that are real practical challenges um, for organizations like Wester. So the question that I've been trying to get the answer to all day is, will the pandemic forever change the way that people buy a car going forward? Well, I think that uh, certainly some of these remote services, um, I'm a big fan and bullish on delivery options, both sales and service um, at home. Um, I think those types of initiatives are going to grow and are definitely here to stay. I mean, if you look at the way my wife buys a car, it's magic for her. She never goes to a dealership. A car shows up in the garage and that's how she takes delivery. So um, I call her my most VIP customer that there is. Um, (laughs) So if we do it for our most VIP customers, I think the circle starts to expand a little bit. Um, And I think these types of things are here to stay. And I also think that customers are becoming a little more educated, a little more savvy on the digital front. You know, think about people that weren't using Instacart for groceries recently, but then there's this huge spike in demand because Mm -hmm. people want to go to the grocery store. I think similar things are happening in the auto space. I don't think it's as transformative as some of the stuff that I'm hearing. Consumer behavior moves slow. 
and things change slow. Um, you know, Grandma Sue in Hamburg, New York, does not want to be a sales manager online. She wants right. to call Ron Jack, who she's known for 40 years, yeah. and buy her next car from Ron. So I think there's going to be those elements that still carry the weight of, of the operation. Um, but but you got to pay attention to it, right? And you got to be continuing to evaluate, you know, tools, your tech stack, how we communicate with people. Um, I think more, more and more texting type conversations or social media, like DM type conversations. I think that's where I see a lot of the growth. Um, and then once this friction on the paperwork side gets sorted out with digital retailing, when you can really do most of the paperwork, all the paperwork from clicking a couple things or like a DocuSign environment. Yeah. I think once, once we get there, I think digital retailing will really start to improve and grow. But yeah. even in that scenario, I think that's 20 25% of the business maybe. So, you know, that might be five years away. Like, I, I, I don't know, like yeah. I don't exactly know the timeline there, but I think, I think uh, currently digital retailing is maybe three percent ish of the transaction. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm hearing. And I, I think that, I think that they, whoever they are, have been saying that, Oh, it's going to be 25% of the business in three to five years. And I, I think that that probably gets escalated a little bit quicker now uh, that, you know, of what's happened. Um, but, you know, for the people that are, preaching, you know, it's going to replace busy Saturdays in the showroom. I just don't see that being, you know, like my wife has the same experience your wife had, right? I was at a group and her lease would be up and unbeknownst to her, I would come home and say, Hey, here's your new rogue, right? She'd be like, Oh, thanks for letting me decide. I'd be like, well, I was at work and your lease was up and this was the car and it made sense. And we had a couple in stock and here's your car. And she'd be like, okay. But when it comes down to it, um, you know, any way that your life changes, like, I mean, you know, I got like a, a, a delivery of adult cocktails, adult beverages coming from the liquor store in town. I don't have to go in. I know what I want. Yeah. They're going to bring it to yeah, me. Pretty great. Right? I don't have to, I don't have to shop for it. So if you're, if you're, if you're purchasing something that maybe necessarily you don't need to touch, feel, or spend a day thinking about like the, you know, if you drink the same kind of liquor all the time where you're driving, yeah. you're, 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 switching your car for the, for another, you know, updated model, but the same car. Well, unlike you, I wasn't allowed to decide what my wife got to drive. So oh, I oh no, I just decided. She, she got to decide, but <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing something right. Uh, but, yeah, but for sure, for sure, this delivery service, the like liquor is a great example. Yeah. Um, yeah people are going to get used to that stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, people thought beds would never be sold online. Um, obviously that's been, you know, a remarkable success story. Mm -hmm. So I'm never going to choose. People thought, well, you got to try them on first. Well, Zappos crushed that. Right. So I'm not going to say that car sales can't move entirely online. I do think right. that they could, but there's a remarkable amount of effort and energy put into the franchise network system and millions of dollars of retail yeah. that um, entrepreneurs like West Her um, aren't going to just abandon, no, you know, right. like this real estate portfolio. Um, so, so I think it's going to be these hybrid things, very Panera, like do it however you want. If you yeah. want to do it online mostly and pick it up in store. Great. If you want us to deliver it to you, great. If you want to test drive some things, but take delivery in store. Great. I think all of those models, um, and the dealers that can do all of those things, the best Burger King style, like have it your way. Yeah. Like that, those are the ones that win. Yeah. The Panera example is a good example. I do the order online pickup all the time. You know, if it's Sunday morning, yeah. you want a bagel and a coffee, but you don't want to have to be presentable. You can order online and then kind of sneak in the side door and grab it before anybody sees you. But you also, it's also nice to have the options. If you want to go to the drive-thru, you want to go in. And I think you're right. A group or a, a single point dealer who can be flexible and put the processes in place to get the car to the customer the way the customer wants it, I think will be an advantage going forward for sure. This is way longer than it was supposed to be. 
Sorry about that. Uh, no, I, I apologize for taking up too much of your time. I know no, you guys probably got stuff to do. I really enjoyed the conversation, Matt. And, um, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. So yes, thank, thank you. you, sir. Let's do it again soon. I appreciate it. Matthew Lasher, marketing director at West Her Automotive Group. They got dealer, uh, they got stores all over upstate New York, Rochester, Buffalo, mostly Buffalo, he said. All I know about that is that is uh, up near Canada. All right, well, this episode was pretty long. I hope you hung in there and I hope you learned. I hope you learned something. I was going to try and uh, talk about TikTok at the end of the episode because I don't really know. I, I'm trying to understand what it is and how it works and why we need it. But we're out of time. I'll do that another episode. All right. Thanks for listening to Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. I appreciate it. More episodes coming up soon. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by... Wait, this guy has sponsors? Oh, never mind. This sheet of paper's blank. No sponsors. That makes more sense. For updates, info, future episodes, and more, follow on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and connect on Frackle. You guys made that last one up. That's not even a thing, Frackle. Come on.